Thank you, Pastor. This is the third week of our sermon series, uh, One Thing and Then Another. And we began with something, and last week it was anything, and today it is nothing. As in, what did they have to drink that was caffeinated at church this morning? Nothing. Short little passage this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 30 through 32. This is uh, the moment that leads up to Jesus feeding the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me once more? God, we ask that as we spend time this morning pondering nothing, that your spirit would reveal to us something, something meaningful. May your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. Amen. Mark is an evangelist in a hurry. For example, 27 times in Mark's gospel, the word immediately is used. 27 times in a very short telling of the good news. The way that Mark... uh, Uh, writes, it speaks loudly about uh, his perceived need for immediacy. In Mark's gospel, there is no story of Jesus' birth. Mark goes straight to ministry, and as quickly as he can, Mark gets to a cross. Everything is boom, 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 action, immediacy, one thing, and then another, go, go, go. But amid the boom, 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 go, go, go immediacy of Mark, there are also several moments where Jesus and others take time to pause. For example, today's reading. Jesus' disciples come and they are reporting to Jesus. They say, teacher, here are the things that we have done. We've done a little of this and that. And some more of this and a little more of that. And additionally, we've been teaching. We've taught on this thing and this other thing and such. And a little bit more on this thing or two. And so Jesus receives these reports of all this action, of all this doing. And then Jesus says to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. Take a pause. 
Jesus reminds them as they report on all of their doing, Jesus reminds them that there is indeed a time to do nothing. Even in Mark's gospel, with all of the hustle and bustle and immediacy, Jesus tells his followers that there is a time to do nothing. Mark says, for the followers of Jesus were coming and going, and they had no leisure, no leisure even to eat. And Jesus tells them, go away for a while, rest, it is time to do nothing. And so they get in the boat, and that's what they go to do, nothing. But of course, Jesus being a good leader, Jesus is not going to instruct them to do nothing if Jesus himself is not willing to do nothing with them. So here are some examples of Jesus practicing the art of doing nothing in the Gospels, with most of these coming from Mark's Gospel, you know, Mark the hurried evangelist. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went to a solitary place. Here's another. Despite his plea that his miracles be kept secret, the news about him continued to spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed by him. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. From the second chapter of Mark, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. One chapter later in Mark, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Jesus, again with the lakes, went out of the house and sat by the lake. When Jesus heard the news that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. After Jesus dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountainside by himself, and when evening came, he was still there alone. Jesus went on from there and walked by the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and he sat down there. From chapter 9 of Mark, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. After his brothers had gone up to the feast, then Jesus also went up, not publicly, but in private. And then, of course, today's reading, and some translations of today's reading actually have it rendered where Jesus not only says, come away to a deserted place by yourselves and rest, but some have Jesus saying, come away with me and let us go away by ourselves and rest. You see, the same one who bids his followers to go and do with a sense of immediacy, with a sense of urgency, is also the same one who bids his followers to do nothing. And the reason why is because that is God's intended rhythm of life, meaningful something followed by meaningful nothing. 
more meaningful something, followed by meaningful nothing, rinse and repeat. But in this fast-paced, produce and perform at all costs world that we occupy, how well are we embracing the practice of doing nothing? Come on now. You really don't want me answering this one for you. How well in this world that we occupy, how well do we embrace the practice of doing nothing? We're terrible at it. Terrible. Our whole life we are told that our worth is determined by our doing as opposed to our being. The human experience and humans themselves are marketed as a commodity. Our bodies, our souls are damaged in such an embracing of production over being. We become just another thing that is used up for the sake of the common good at best, or used up for the sake of busyness, or at worst, used up for the sake of profit or a bank account. But friends, the truth of the matter is, in a world of hustle and bustle, God is not interested in the sacrament of our exhaustion. You see, even Jesus does nothing. And Jesus bids all to do nothing, at least from time to time, and probably far more than we are willing to try. In his new book, The Good and Beautiful You, James Bryan Smith mentions a conversation he had with the great Dallas Willard about a project that James Bryan had been working on where he suggested this, this practice of otium sanctum, that is, as Richard Foster describes, holy leisure, holy leisure. And so when Dallas Willard, who was a spiritual giant of his time, saw the list that uh, um, James Bryan had put together for his project, and he saw that holy leisure was on it, he told James Bryan, this will be the one that people find the most difficult. James Bryan Smith said he, he didn't believe Willard that holy leisure would be the spiritual practice on his list for his project that people would struggle with the most. He didn't believe it that was until he started meeting with groups and field testing the results. So many people pointed to that one and said, yep, I could do all these others, but I couldn't do that one more than any other spiritual practice suggested in the project, the respondents said that doing nothing, holy leisure, was the hardest. But really, we shouldn't be all that surprised to hear those results because we never really set aside a time on purpose to do nothing. And if you were like most of us, when you try to do nothing, your anxiety kicks in. We, we fidget. 
We have some distraction as we try to do nothing. It comes in and it removes us from our state of nothingness that our soul and body needs and it places us back in productivity mode. We just feel like we have to do something. I must achieve. I must achieve. And all the while, our souls and our bodies and our Christ call out for us to step away and to do nothing. So Tuesday morning, I tried it. I'm not going to lie, I, I try to do it a lot. But I'm not telling you that I use myself as a great example of somebody who can do nothing really well. <laughs> that can be misinterpreted <laughs> many ways. <laughs> but I do try holy leisure. I, I try to carve out intentional time each week to try holy leisure. And so this week, in, in really wanting to, to practice what I preach, I tried really hard this week, really hard. So I went out on Tuesday morning and I sat down in the sunroom, cup of coffee in hand, and I tried to do nothing. And occasionally, in this attempt to do nothing, a thought would creep into my mind. For example, like, what was that Latin word that Richard Foster talked about? Optium? Maybe I should Google it. No, 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 don't do that. Remember, you're doing nothing. Refocus. You know what, this is pretty cool, this whole doing nothing thing. I should probably write some of these experiences down. They make some really good sermon illustrations for Sunday. No, 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 that's doing something. That's production. No, nothing, stop. Nothing. And the further and further I got into doing nothing, the more profound it became this week, the more mystical. I describe it as, as profound and mystical because truth be told, friends, I, I thought I did nothing for about 10 minutes, only to discover that when it was over, it had been over an hour. I felt as if I was actually actually being in the world, a real part of it. Have you ever noticed how, how gracefully leaves fall to the ground with just a gentle breeze? Have you ever noticed? It's a slow process, but it's so beautiful. Way different than pine needles. When pine needles come out, they just drop. But a leaf, far more graceful. But watching the pine needles and the leaves drop, they remind me of the rhythm of life. Sometimes there is indeed a need for urgency to get to where you're going, but other times you just need to float. 
Have you ever noticed how a squirrel, in all of its busyness of gathering up food to place in your yard, once they dig the little hole in your grass and they shove the food in the hole, have you ever noticed how even in that life and death work of preparing food for the winter, the squirrels take time to just sit? You ever notice that? That, that, that squirrels, they, they seem like frantic little creatures that are always running around, but believe it or not, if you watch them long enough, they eventually stop and they just sit. Well, the squirrels at my house, they do anyway. Have you ever noticed how the sound of your, your own breath, the sound of your own breath, how, how loud it can be when everything else around you is stilled. When your breath is the loudest thing that you hear, you might be doing nothing the right way. You know what else happened? As I purposely sat out doing nothing on Tuesday morning, I forgot to put my phone on do not disturb. Better yet, I forgot to just leave it in the house. And Thomas McDowell, as much as I love him, he texted me. And just like that, I was done with nothing and back to something. But it was beautiful while it lasted. hard to believe that the phone didn't buzz for over an hour before then. Perhaps we can call that grace. It's not easy doing nothing. It's never been easy for our type. But you see, friends, it's always been necessary. Ever since there was a seventh day, Ever since there was a seventh day, it has been necessary. But it's harder now than it has ever been because life is frantic. There's a lot of pressure on us to perform. There's a lot of pressure on some of us to perform even in retirement. Some of us feel extreme guilt when we try to do nothing. But that guilt, it's... It's not justified. There's a reason why you're called a human being and not a human doing. Your primary purpose is to be. It's okay to just be. Friends, as the scriptures have shown, God desires for us to do nothing just as much as God desires for us to do something. And Lord knows we can't do everything, so we might as well take the time intentionally to learn how to be good at doing nothing. But not just any nothing, meaningful nothing. Our souls, our, our bodies, our beings need to do some meaningful nothing. So what's the difference between any nothing and meaningful nothing? 
Well, a lazy dog or a house cat is a master at doing any nothing. Any of us can do that. But it takes some, some spiritual discipline. It takes some practice to be good at meaningful nothing. It takes practice to become good at meaningful nothing. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It's time for us to figure it out through practice. But thankfully... We have a great, great teacher who modeled the practice of doing the meaningful nothing exceptionally well, starting, of course, on the seventh day. Let's pray. God, help us to find purpose in our being, help us to create the space that is needed for us to just be. God, may we find our worth not in our doing, but in our being. We ask this in all things, in your son's name. And all God's people say,